Welcome everybody to our next episode of Secrets of Trading. And today we have Drew from Bishop Capital, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Drew from Bishop Capital. How's everybody doing? Doing great. How are you? Good, man. All good in the hood. It's Tuesday. Can't complain. Got up this morning, got ready for the day. And I'm excited to do this interview with you guys today. Let's Absolutely. do this. By the way, um, again, I love the pictures behind you. <laughs> let me give them some time. Let me. There you go. Uh, they're, they're there you go. Pretty That's pretty sick. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, you're from Memphis, correct? Yeah, living in Memphis. So I was originally awesome. born in Chicago. Uh, my dad's got four brothers, and they all moved down to Memphis when I was like eight or nine or something like that. And then uh, I just lived here ever since. I uh, went to the University of Memphis, played football at Memphis, studied business marketing, um, had a couple big surgeries while I was there, unfortunately. And so my athletic career didn't go um, where I wanted it to necessarily. But I'll just kind of get into some of the stories for you guys. So there's, there's two types of players in, in college sports. There's what's called a walk-on, and then there's a scholarship player, right? And a walk-on is basically a player who just walks on the team. They try out. They can make the team, but they're not getting the school paid for, as well as they don't get things like, you know, sometimes you won't get a locker. You won't get the, you know, the same equipment. You won't get meals after practice. You won't be able to travel the team, all that kind of stuff, right? And um, as a senior in high school, didn't, yeah. Mm -hmm. Damn, I really treat you like shit. Well, it, it kind of depends, right? If you're at like a big, you know, like a big school, then of yeah. course. But if you're not where there's, you know, I mean, not as big, you're kind of all in the same. You know what I mean? Um, I would say that it's just one of those things where you just got to bring your lunch back and, and get to work, right? Yeah. It's, if you get an opportunity, you get chances in camp and, and practice and, and conditioning, stuff like that, to show your stuff. And um, in high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so that was kind of my only option was to stay in, in town and walk on the team at the, the school that was here. And um, I did it for about a year and a half. And earning a full ride scholarship where I guess within two months after that is when I tore my shoulder, tore my labor, getting surgery. So athletically it didn't turn out, but once you're on scholarship, you start getting paid to play. Right. So I was getting checks for like 1800 bucks a month, you know, nothing crazy. Uh, but in college, you know what I mean? That was more money than I needed at the time. And so that's what kind of started my investing career, my investing journey. Um, I started with stocks first, like most people do going to the big name things and then kind of transitioned over to Forex and some different things when I got out of college. And that's kind of what my main focus is now. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. I mean, when it comes to like walking on, like if, if you make the team, like don't you want to keep everyone together and like like build the morale, <laughs> stuff like that. And that's something yeah. I, I kind of did was instead of getting recruited, I kind of wish I did like walk on at a bigger school. Yeah. But, um, you know, what would you take from that? And, and we've gone over it. We did like an Instagram live a while ago and we were talking mm -hmm. about how being an athlete translates right into the markets. And, and man, it's crazy. Yeah. Hundred percent. That, that'd, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So I would say, um, outside of just life, you know, it's, it's it gives me a complete what I believe is an advantage in life. But let's just talk about trading for a second. You know, in trading, I believe two types of edges, right? One is a statistical edge you have over the market. The second one is the edge of who you are as a person. And for me, playing sports, it wasn't even about you know accolades on the field. It was more about the routine every day. It was about putting myself out of my comfort zone, being in a position where I was surrounded by people that were 20 times better than me consistently, and I had to fight every day to compete, right? And so what I would take from that is, is part of the athletic edge that I feel like I approach my life with is the same thing of trading. It's just competition, right? And once you have that statistical edge, there's not really any competition there. It's just kind of competition with yourself to be able to execute that edge at a peak performance level, right? And so that's where I feel that the college sports and athletics poured into me was more about my personal edge that I deal with on a daily basis. Amen. Yeah, that reminds me of that Kobe Bryant video, which I'm pretty sure you guys have seen multiple times where uh, I forgot who it was, but they were talking about Kobe Bryant and they were talking about when it was like 4 a.m. and they walked onto the court 
and Kobe was there like shooting. shooting and then, yeah. yeah. He's like, I did this. I was there on the court for like an hour and a half and Kobe just kept going. Mm-hmm. And then I sat there for like 25 minutes or something. And he was still, you know, on the court. Yep. So then he asked Kobe afterwards, he's like, you know, why are you like, why are you here for like so long? He's like, I just want you to let you know that I'm still like, no matter, you know, how good you are or how good I am, I'm still going to outwork you. Exactly. And so that that's what that reminded me of, right? So I love it. I love like, it. even if you have that statistical edge, it comes down to like, it's you against you. Right? Maintaining it every day. Yep. That's yeah. Exactly so everyone right. knew that Kobe Bryant was a goat, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he still outworked everyone. He still he had, had a work ethic. Yeah. And that's where I think uh, I always like to tell people like, hey, man, uh, you know, it's trading for everybody, this kind of stuff. And I think that anybody can be successful. I don't believe it is for everybody, though. And I do believe that athletes have a great chance to be successful in, in the space because, you know, one thing I've done in the last couple of years was was working with some traders one on one. And I got to understand a lot of um what some people viewed as hard work versus what other people viewed as hard work. Right. And I believe that most of the athletes that I work with, they had a better understanding of what really is hard work because they might've been through different things. They might've been through different adversity or put through certain work, you know, they were doing from athletic standpoint and it transitions over to this because when I say, Hey man, you know, let's do X amount of screenshots and get this practice testing done. Most athletes it's you either do it or you don't. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're going to compete because that's, that's just what's in them. If you're not an athlete, maybe you haven't gone through so much work, you might show up to the next one-on-one call and have 75% of it done. Mm-hmm. And think that it wasn't a, it was a non-negotiable thing where they could show up with some of it done, not some of it done. It's like, man, I'm telling you to do something, right? right. It wasn't really, there wasn't an option here. You know what I mean? And I feel like that was part of the, the thing that I had from conditioning in sports where if we had 55 sprints, whatever it was in the day, it wasn't that I had 55 if I felt like it. It was mm-hmm. I was going to do those 55 or I wasn't going to be able to practice the next day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's where some of the athletes have that different edge that I'm talking about, which there is other things as well, spiritual, you know, you know, family edge and things like that. But I think athletes have a very good chance to be successful because it's just work ethic. You know what I mean? That's all this is. They, they already have the foundation. Like, like exactly. how many, how many training camps have you gone through? Uh, five. I went through five. Between, between high school and college. Oh, no. So I only played one year of high school. So I played senior. Okay. So we didn't, I mean, oh, that's pretty sick. not real camp in high school. You know what I mean? Compared to college, college yeah. is the real deal, of course. Yeah. So I, I'll say five real camps. So five. So you've been through five camps. So that's a lot of adversity in itself, especially oh, in college. Man. Like, like you're, you're getting the campus two or three weeks before all the other students, you have the whole campus to yourself, but it is hard. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta go back to your why on a regular basis when you're in camp, you're, you're in like full degree heat, you're in 90, 95 degree heat and full pads. It's like, why the fuck am I doing? I'm not even getting paid. Like it's, it's exactly. you're just wondering, you know, but um, it's for the love of the game and you're going through it. Um, but you have that foundation already. And when you come mm-hmm. into the market, you already have the work ethic. You already have everything that you basically need other than obviously, you know, skill in the charts, but absolutely other than that it's that that's why it's such a, um, a good foundation to have is being an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Totally agree. So you would say a lot of the success that you've had in and outside of trading would necessarily come from your hard work, right? Uh, yes. I, I believe the same thing with, with uh, obtaining my wife. I believe it was just hard work, right? <laughs> it's, it, it's constant competition, just, whatever, whatever it is, right? And I, and I believe that uh, same thing spiritually, right? I go through a lot of spiritual up and downs. And um, one of the reasons I like going through the spiritual journey is because it is a journey. It's a, it's a complete battle every day yeah. to choose what's out, what I believe is the right thing and to fight for it. And uh, it's it's kind of when, when you're going through sports, whatever, I know we keep talking about the athletics for a second, but 
uh, when you play your whole life, right? And then you get into college and whether you get hurt and your career's over or you just can't make it to the next level, whatever it is, you kind of get stuck, right? You're stuck with, okay, what's next? I've done this for X amount of years. I was going to the gym because of this. I was training because of this. I was watching what I ate because of this. And then you're just stuck, right? And I got into medical sales right out of college. And from a financial aspect, I mean, it was crushing it, you know, from what I believe was, was great. And uh, honestly, it was a cool job. And I went through about three years of, you know, going through the motions and kind of reaching what I felt was the peak of financially, what I could kind of get close to earning and kind of what my time was going to look like, things like that. And I was so unhappy. And it wasn't because the job wasn't cool or a cool experience. I just wasn't competing. Right. And like going to the gym anymore, I didn't feel motivated. I just I knew I was going to go to the gym, go to the hospital, cover cases, come back home. I was just stuck in this routine where I didn't feel like I was growing. And so that was the biggest thing, which is kind of getting out of my comfort zone and chasing that that itch of competition. Right. And, and that's kind of what trading is. I don't even really love trading. I really didn't even love football, but I love the aspect of showing up every day to compete. And this is no different for me. It's been kind of a lifesaver because like we talked about in the beginning, this is constant competition. Once you get through the hump of, of creating the statistical edge, it is nothing but competition with yourself mentally every single day. Mm-hmm. And as a competitor who can't compete athletically anymore, I can't ask for much more. I mean, this is, this is all I can ask for. You know what I mean? But trading is much more like a, like an individual kind of a thing, right? Where we're not sitting there in a classroom together or like if you're playing sports, for example, you're not going out and training with like an entire team physically, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we get onto Zooms and we have like these Zoom calls and everything with our teams. That's one thing. So then when you're trading or like when you started trading and you realize that, okay, it's just me in this game. Like, it's just me. I dictate whether or not I'm going to be successful. Mm-hmm. You have a team, maybe a community online. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just me sitting here, like, you know, at my computer, at my desk. Absolutely. But like, how do you kind of battle that? Cause that's something that a lot of people struggle with. They're like, you know, whether it's over risking, over trading, you know, Stephanos and I talk to people all day and we're like, all right, don't do this. You know, you shouldn't be doing this. And they're like, yeah, but I was sitting here and I was sitting alone and I don't know, like, you know, I ended up doing something like that. So then how did you battle that? Um, So I kind of had an advantage because I'm kind of an introvert anyways. My wife is the extrovert. So I stayed to myself as is, you know, so it was, this is kind of my cup of tea being in front of a screen rather than being out in public. You know what I mean? Um, So I was really good at that in the first place. And I think you just kind of have to find um, the common ground of a community that's trying to help you grow versus a toxic community. Right. And when I was kind of in my learning stages, I was a part of communities, but, but as a fly on the wall, I wasn't one of those that was texting good mornings and getting the chat going, whatever. I just was kind of, you know, consuming for the most part. And uh, it was actually toxic to me because it wasn't necessarily that I was comparing with where they are in their journeys, whatever it was, but I was trying to, you know, fit my systems to what other people were agreeing with. Or when my mentor saw, I wanted to make sure that I was seeing the exact same things. Mm-hmm. And I slowly figured out that when I quit this mentorship program, whatever, and I felt like I was ready to attack the world, most of my confidence was built off of the affirmations from either the community seeing what I'm seeing or my coach seeing what I'm seeing. And so that's where, for me, I kind of thrived in the individual one-on-one settings because I don't know, it's kind of same with sports. I always had that, that concept of being the walk-on where I didn't get my full chance. I wanted to play in the pros, whatever. And I could always blame it on a coach or I could blame it on uh, tearing up both my shoulders, right? This, I I got nothing to blame, right? I go wake up in the mirror every day and I see myself and that's what my wife kind of knows you know, there's nobody to wake me up in the morning, things like that. And I have a very specific routine for the most part. And if I don't make it up for some reason, if something happens, you got to stay away from me the rest of the day, because I'm going to be in an attitude because I know that's something that I messed up, something I can completely control. And I take full ownership for those types of things. And so I think that it's kind of finding the balance now of 
not being all Drew Bishop 24-7 because it is so one-on-one, mm-hmm. you know, and, and remembering that there's other people attached to this journey with me, but also, you know, kind of pointing to my strengths and being one-on-one, being in by myself is kind of one of my strengths too. So I didn't really have a big, a big problem. Okay. Do you, you, you don't have an issue with extreme ownership, which is, I, I think it's, I, it's, it's probably number one in this, in this business too, in any business, really athletes, all that stuff. Uh, extreme ownership is, is one of the easiest, actually hardest, but also most critical, most critical. You, you need it because if you don't, you're going to be blaming the market and where are you yep. going to get if you're doing that? Yep, you know, so so I, I think that's awesome that you already have that. You already have that built in probably from athletics. Yeah, it's a must, uh, you know, and you said that on our Instagram live. I think you said that the biggest disease is the victim mentality. Uh-huh. Right. And, and I mean, I completely agree. I don't, it doesn't matter if it's in, in trading, it doesn't matter if it's in business, in your relationship, you know, whatever it is, it pours into everything, you know. And I think that part of taking on the extreme responsibility and extreme ownership is also understanding that everybody's brain is not wired the same way as people that are taking on that ownership and responsibility. Because when I kind of went through that stage of, you know, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, that's it. Anything else in the world is not satisfying to me. I had to mentally go through that stage of looking at other people and not judging them because my views and wants for the world and my life is not the same as somebody else's. So if somebody else that I'm close with is fine with a nine to five is fine with just being happily married and being by themselves and whatever, that's okay. And it's not my job to judge that anymore. You know, and I feel like I kind of went to that stage of when I was taking on so much ownership that if you didn't take on the ownership, I looked at you in a different way. Mm. Right. And I think that part of the thing I have to understand consistently is that everybody's not wired the same. You know, but if you do want certain things, I think it it requires a certain level of things as well. Right. So it's like finding that happy medium of not judging somebody, but also trying to not allow somebody to blame things that are in their control as well. You know what I mean? Definitely. It definitely takes like a, um, a level of empathy and understanding of like where other people come from and, and stuff like that. And, and completely understanding it's harder for some other people. I yeah. get it. Like some people are luckier than others, yeah. uh, especially when it comes to like, you know, the way you grow up, stuff like that. But like, I do think like with me personally, I do think I I was almost like given a gift where like, I don't get anxiety. Like Mm. I, maybe it's for me, like growing older and and maturing and stuff like that. But even when I was a kid, I never really got anxiety. I could always control my emotions. I know other people aren't like that. And it's a lot harder. A lot of people in my family, people I know, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. So the, the whole idea is switching your mindset to even if it's harder for you, it's always like trying to push yourself towards that way. And yeah. that's what's going to make you a better person, a better trader, everything. If you look at yourself first, you look in the mirror first, you're going to get places. I promise anybody watching this. Um, yeah. I know it's hard for you, but you, you got to do it. You got no other choice. It's you the first place to look. You got no other choice. Yep. Yeah. Amen. I agree. You know? That's um, the ownership part, right? Regardless, I guess after a certain point, once you go through whether it's just going through trading or, you know, if you're an athlete or whatever else that you're doing, maybe it's a job, but eventually you do get to learn that there are certain things that I can control and there are certain things that I can't control. And I think that plays a huge part in trading. You know, when we talk about trading is 90% of just psychology, right? Your confidence and all that type of stuff. But there's a lot of things that you can't control, but then you have to realize, even if I can't control it, how do I minimize the damage of it? Amen. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And so I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. But again, it comes down to ownership and yourself. Absolutely. absolutely. So, Drew, what, what like are, uh, you know, you've been in this game how long now? 
I mean, I, I would say that I've been investing since I was, you know, 21, 22. So six, oh, seven awesome. years, but real, you know, focused trading, I'd say closer to five. Awesome. That's, that's mm-hmm. sick. Yeah, now, what, what are some things like you, you wish you, you knew in the beginning, like some really big keys that you've picked up? I, I'll, make it, I'll make it so simple for you, dude, because I really think this is very simple, you know, and, and I come from a family that works on the institutional side of things. So I'm very lucky that I have not been, um, I guess, naive to what, what I believe is the realities of the industry and flipping accounts and all that other kind of stuff, which is, you know, possible, whatever, but just it's not my beliefs, right? It's not what I come from. And I've been lucky to always kind of have that background and that support from them to kind of tell me, Hey man, that's too good to be true. Right. Let's, like, that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? And uh, back to your question, I would say that the easiest thing that I wish I would have learned from day one of my trading is what I believe is called probabilistic thinking. Right. And it comes from the Mark Douglas themes, whether you watch his videos, read his books, whatever it comes from to me, once again, one simple concept. And this is also something for all new traders that are going through this, whether it's spiritual relationship, whatever you're going through, I believe that one of the most important things you can do is protect your beliefs right? Everybody's not going to have the same beliefs as you. People are going to have different beliefs on everything you try to do on everything in life. But if you can protect your beliefs, then you can definitely grow exponentially. And so when I preach from this method of probabilistic thinking, I know it's not for everybody. I know it doesn't make sense to everybody, but it makes sense to me. And that's all that matters, right? So probabilistic thinking is basically the simple concept of understanding that no matter what happens in the market, right? It's, it's still random. There's the randomness principle where things are going to do what they want to do, whether it's a fundamental news event, it still takes human, you know, interactions or human interpretation to move that market based off the news event. You know, deep down inside, if I place a trade, I will never, no matter what, have any clue who made me a winner versus who made me a loser, right? All I know that if I can see my trade consistently, if I have a statistical edge, I click the button because I can play the probabilities, So I try to relate this to a casino. If you think about a casino, every game inside the casino has what for the house that has the odds in the house's favor. So the casino owns the odds or owns the probabilities or the edge of every single game played within that casino, right? So they don't know if certain gamblers are going to come in and they're going to win money. They don't know if certain days they're going to lose, but they do know if they can stay open for a full year, whatever it is, and allow all these machines to work, they're going to come out profitable because they have that statistical edge, right? They're not emotionally attached to who plays, when they play, how they play, whatever. If people keep playing, they're going to come out on top because it's just numbers. They own the odds, they own the statistics, right? So what I wish I would have first understood in my trading is that because I don't have the money to move the markets myself, I will never know somebody who actually can, especially in the Forex market. I want to trade from the understanding that even if I see my trade that has my edge, the outcome of this trade is still completely random, right? And if I can understand that it's completely random, what does that allow me to do? allows me to take myself out of the trade, to not be emotionally attached to the trade. Now, of course, there's money involved. You're always going to be somewhat emotional with it. But once again, as a competitor, my job to compete is to click the button when my edge is showed, because that's the only thing I can control, right? I can't control if it goes up or down once I see my edge. So I'm not going to grade myself based off the result of the trade when that's the one thing as a competitor that I cannot control, right? And so the number one thing that I wish that I understood when I was starting my trading is that it doesn't matter how much confluence something has. It doesn't matter what mentor talks about it. It doesn't matter what TV show talks about it. It doesn't matter what tweet is, is posted about it. It is still a complete random outcome. If this trade is going to go in my favor or against me. Mm-hmm. And if I could have just understood that in the beginning, I would have realized that it wasn't my system. It wasn't me. It wasn't the way I was reading the charts. I didn't have to go find another strategy. It was just the simple concept of, 
It's numbers. I'm going to take great trades that are losses because that's the way statistics play. Right. And I believe if I just would understand that concept, I wouldn't have kept searching for what I was missing because I wasn't missing anything other than that understanding. Does that make sense? Yeah. That was yeah dope. No, we, <laughs> we can actually bring this like conversation full circle too, because um, now you meant, do you look at numbers? Do you put numbers like a probability percentage of this playing out? Okay. So yeah. spreadsheets back to the whole anxiety thing. Think of, like, this is how I help people, whether it's in my family or friends deal with anxiety. Look at the probability of everything happening. Hmm. One example I could give you is let's say like, like we lock the door every single night for our house, right? Mm -hmm. Lock the door. We're good. My fiance, you know, nice and calm, right? Of course. Say one night out of, let's say 365, we don't leave that door locked. What are the odds that someone's going to break through that one night and kill us? Of all all nights of the year. Right. Very low. So that's how you help people deal with, you know, Everything is probabilities, right? Mm. And if you can look at things in that lens, you're going to be a lot calmer, either in trading, business, relationships, friendships, all that stuff. So I don't know why nobody talks about it, to be honest with you. I mean, I searched through, I can't tell you guys how long to find somebody just talking about this concept. And then I also dug deep into it and I thought about it. It makes me why people don't preach about it, because if you don't preach about it and you preach about your system or your strategy, whatever it is, then that's the answer right? It's not the probabilistic mindset. It's whatever you're selling from your program, because that's the answer that most people are missing. Right. And so I do get why it's not talked about as much. Um, But now it's one of those things where once my eyes have been open to it and my understanding, my mind has accepted it. I can't think of another way. Right. Mm -hmm. I I can't, it's it's just, this is it. That's what I believe. If you don't, and that's the same thing with my program. I take application calls and I haven't watched a, a video that kind of explains what I'm talking about. If you understand this, or maybe you don't understand it, but you're willing to work towards this type of concept. I'll take you on the program. We'll go through another call. I'll talk to you about it. If it's okay. something you're not willing to do and you're somebody that wants to f- not even necessarily flip accounts, but you're wanting to, you know, think that there's something you're doing that's going to give you a better chance to win versus lose or whatever it is. And it's just, Hey, we're not going to, we're not, we're not going to mesh in the same mindset. You know, it's not going to be a good fit for each other. Yeah. And so, like I said, it's not the only way potentially to be successful, but it's what my beliefs are. And I have to protect my beliefs because that's what pays my bills. You know what right. I mean? Makes sense. Very percent. And that's what this entire like podcast is about, right? So like things that we don't, because there's so many things that I've looked up, right? And I didn't find like answers to it because no one's talked about it before. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense. But then when I go in and talk to other traders, like things that I've talked to Stefano's about or talked to like, you know, trading with Paul or whoever else it is. And they're like, yeah, like, you know, I've, I've experienced the same thing. So I'm like, why is no one talking Nobody about talks it? about it. Right? <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I'm, I'm it's a light bulb moment. If you really get that concept mm-hmm. of the simple fact that no matter what you do, when you place a trade, you will have zero clue what happened yeah. to make you yeah, a yeah, winner yeah, yeah. or to make you the loser. Right. And if you, if you understand the concept that you'll never know, how can you be attached once you place the trade? 100%. It's out of your hands. And, and that's where as a competitor, especially now I'm dealing with a guy specifically who, who played tennis in college, who's coming on and he's brand new, never really knew anything about trading. And that's the biggest thing I'm trying to get him to understand because as a athlete, right, you want to finish the job. So you want to place the trade, have a good trade, whatever. That's a winning trade to view it as a good trade. And I tell people 20, I mean, all the time, I take plenty of trades on a weekly basis that are losses that are great trades. Mm-hmm. The result, I mean, it's got nothing to do with me. So as it, I can't grade myself on the one part that has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense. 
this game is so unique because you need to be a perfectionist um, when it comes to your work, right? Mm -hmm. Like always backtesting, you know, your journaling is, is the best place that you can be a perfectionist, right? Absolutely. Once you're in the markets, throw all that out the window because you got to think about doctors and lawyers. Statistically, they don't succeed in this. I hopped on the Zoom with like a 50-year-old doctor that wants to get into this, into this game. I was telling him like right away, this is the stereotype for people in your category in your profession it's, it's what are you all gonna do? on the chest it's all them right exactly are you going to think the way that they do or are you going to kind of drop that remain perfectionist in you know the work that you put in i'm sure with your practice as well but like when you get into the markets you don't know what's going to happen next and you don't need to know what's going to happen next you just got to make sure that you're playing the probabilities like you just said and um keeping a straight and narrow path and discipline path mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I, I think this was uh, this is awesome. Great having you on yeah. too. It's uh, yeah, no, I've enjoyed it. I'm passionate about it. I'm, exactly. I'm very, very passionate. You know, I think yeah. that. And, and the, I don't know who said the quote, but somebody said, you know, it's the it's the uh, it's the hardest way to make the easiest money, mm -hmm. right? And I mean, I believe that. If you think about the concept of what we're really trying to do, all you're trying to do is create your own casino on a computer screen, mm -hmm. and that concept should be very easy because if you understand math and probabilities, it's like, why would I ever want to build a business that is not with the edge in its favor. And I mean, any other type of retail store, brick and mortar store, whatever, it's like, you never really know what's in your control versus what is not in your control, right? This is something where, I mean, you don't have full control over it, but you do have control over your part of it at least, right? Yeah. And, and that's where I think also kind of go, you made me think about this going back to your, the doctor you were talking about. When I worked in medical sales, I worked with so many doctors and I was so impressed by the level of knowledge just of anything that these people had. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I was also very scared to understand that the amount of knowledge and how smart somebody is, specifically a doctor, mm -hmm. does not correlate to how good of a surgeon they are. Mm -hmm. And because it's a skill set, right? You might learn something about the body. You might learn something about how to close, about the best way to do fusions, to do nails, to do whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's still a practical application of what you learn. Yeah. Right. And that's where the biggest thing that I've seen in traders I coach one on one is that the concept of probabilistic thinking is fairly easy to grasp if you're willing to take the time to learn. If you're willing to drop what you think, it's fairly easy to understand. The concept of reading a price chart, the concept of trend, all that kind of stuff is fairly easy. But then to be able to put something into a testable, verifiable, and repeatable system on the price chart, that to me is the difference from a learning something and applying it to the skill set. Mm -hmm. That's where people you know, say, hey, it's not a skill set. Whatever. It's still a skill set. I don't care what you say. It's right. to learn. It's hard to apply. Right. And that's where I think the gap is in most people is not only the way you think about it, but then the application of what you've learned to do it consistently. That's that's what I think is the hardest thing. And that's where it comes down to. I think the word is your reticular activating system, which is, re, you know, references your eyes, the way you see things. And then your eyes change over time. Your eyes begin to get better. They get, get worse, depending on how much time you put in. So that's that to me is the game. Right. For basketball players, you got a right hand, you got a left hand, you want to dribble. Traders, you got both eyes. You want to make sure your eyes are seeing things consistently. That's kind of your skill set of what you're doing outside of the understanding of what you're trying to build. Yeah. And that's the biggest says, gap I've seen. Who says it's not a skill set? <laughs> Dude, I hear people, oh, all you got to do is click a button. All you got to do is click a button. You got a 50-50 okay. chance. Like, all Try right. it. <laughs> Try it. Come on. <laughs> let's go. Let's sit in front of a computer. Let's see. Let you guys a question now real quick. So. Do you guys believe, because I get Drew this, loves doing this, flipping the interviews. <laughs> you guys, do you guys believe that there is a difference between trading and gambling? And if so, what's the difference? 
Yeah, because uh, you have a statistical edge. You know, you have something that you're back testing on a, on a regular basis. It's, it's not gambling. It's gambling when you just turn on MetaTrader and just start, you know, taking trades based on what the candles look like and not really understanding the anatomy of the candles and where it's going. Like a good example of this and what you were talking about before is I had a buddy of mine over, uh, a couple that we're friends with, um, but my friend came over to watch the NFL games, right? I'm not a big gambler. I trade. Like, this is my thing. I don't really gamble on sports, but I know sports. I know, you know, what's going on. It's his first time gambling, but like he has good money. He's, he's doing well. Um, and he's like all over the place with this stuff. Like just trying to enter, you know, all these different prop bets and, and yeah. uh, parlays and like 15 leg parlays, like crazy stuff like that, which is cool if you're betting like a dollar or two on it. Right. <laughs> but, um, but I'm showing him like, yo, come here, look at this. Go to pro football focus. And let's look at the stats of how many times has Cooper Cup scored in the last five games. You want to do any time score? Let's look at that. Let's look at the probability of these things playing out. I hit like three bets last weekend just from doing that and like putting parlays together based on stats. So that to me, is that gambling? It is, but it's not in a way. You're taking the gambling away and adding and replacing it with probability, you know, strategy, I guess you could say. Yeah. I think with gambling, a lot of people go in with the mindset of like, I have a thousand dollars. And even if I lose a thousand dollars, like there's no problem. Mm-hmm. But with trading, it's more analytical in a way where you're saying that I have a thousand dollars, but how can I stretch these thousand dollars? Right. How can I make sure that I'm getting to like one trade? And then let's say, you know, if it doesn't work out, then how do I minimize the loss on the next one? You still have the thousand dollars. Right. But now instead of betting everything on like that one trade and being like, well, I came in with a thousand. So if I leave with a thousand, that's fine. Cause you know, I came in with the mindset of it, but now with trading, you're doing like, okay, how do I divide this up? How do I diversify all this? How do I minimize my losses? And then the person, the way that I approach it is if I made money on the first bet, you know, even if I, let's say I bet down $50 and I still have like 900, uh, uh, 950 left or whatever, then I'm just like, all right, well, I just made profits on this one trade. So I'm going to set everything else aside. I came in with a thousand dollars. If anything, if I just leave with this one trade profitable, I left with more money than I came in with. Mm-hmm. Right. But let me just play with whatever profits that I made. So what's the worst that could happen at the end of the day? Break even. Mm-hmm. Right. With gambling, it's like I'm fine with losing it. But then with trading, it's like, well, again, looking at the statistics, the probabilities, you know, I look at like the fundamentals and every aspect of the market. and I'm like, OK, what are the chances of this playing out in my favor? Mm-hmm. Right. And then going and placing my bets. So I think that's what the difference is between trading and uh, gambling. You're trying to be more educated or analytical about it. I love it. To go back on what you said with the, with the size account. I don't know if this is an actual like statistic, but to me, what it seems like the smaller the account, the more of a gamble it's going to be. I 100% agree. When you're playing with smaller accounts, like a $200 account, the more likelihood you're going to be trying to gamble and, and trying to like double that account, triple that account. Uh, but when you're thinking like that, you're not getting anywhere. But when you're playing with a ten, twenty-five thousand dollar account, you know it, you're going to be looking at that a little bit differently, and you're not. Gonna, it's going to be a lot harder to blow that. First of all, yep. second of all, you're gonna you're gonna know that's that's hard to make. You know, ten, twenty-five grand. You know, that's mm-hmm. you don't want to blow all that. Two hundred bucks. It's like screw it. But you don't, then you you don't respect it, right? That's that's exactly right. You don't respect it, and that's why I get the question: like, How much money should I trade? It's like, man, I have no idea. Yeah. Right? <laughs> You got to find the common the common ground of what you know. What are you willing to risk, but also what do you respect? Because like you just said, if you don't respect what you got, you're going to over leverage anyways. You're going to not follow your plan, all that kind of stuff. And I think the simple concept of trading versus gambling is if you journal, right? If you journal and you put on a trade 
and you journal about how your stomach's feeling at the time you place the trade, you'll know if it's a trade on edge or not. If it's not, you're going to have the heart palpitations. You're going to get the butterflies in the stomach. If it is, you'll click the button and probably not think twice about it. You won't think yep. anything about it, you know? That's one of the reasons why I actually tell people when they ask me, like, you know, how much money should I start off with? One of the reasons why I tell people start off with like a small account. And I'm like that person who does tell people start off with a small account mm -hmm. is because exactly what you said, where it's, you don't respect the small account, but then you think that, you know, results are going to be different on a 10, 20,000, $30,000 account. It's yeah. really not. Mm -hmm. The reason why I tell them start off with a small account is because if you can't handle that small growth of starting off with like a penny, moving on to two penny, moving on to like 10 cents, and then moving on to like $50 and then doing all of that, you're not going to respect the journey that you're in either, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, what we tell people all the time is you're not into trading for like one year and then you're like, all right, I made, I made X amount of money and then I'm done. Your right. greed is always going to kick in where you're going to be like, wow, I made this much money in a year. Like, I'm just going to keep going. Yep. Right. But that small account is what forces you to practice all other aspects besides the monetary aspect, right? Mm -hmm. Your discipline, your confidence, your, what is your psychology over leveraging your risk management, everything that's what comes into play, mm -hmm. right? If I have a hundred dollar account and if I can start off with a penny and then understand that maybe in a month, that's when I finally get to the level of moving up to five cents. And then maybe after another month, I get to move up to 10 cents. And now instead of, you know, that taking me another month, it takes me only like two weeks. And then I can move up to 50 cents, you know, man, and then another two weeks and I move, I can move up to a dollar. If you can't respect that process, you're not going to respect trading in general. Yes. You won't make it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Just to like clarify also, like for any new traders out there, I'm not, I'm not saying to trade with 10, 25,000. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, I always tell people start with like 500 to a thousand, mm -hmm. start with that and start building that and build the discipline. And if you could yeah. do that, you could start turning that into more. You could save more. You could, you know, put some money aside and put that in your account. But don't don't be trading with it that much. But what you should be doing, if you're brand new, start with the demo. I don't think you should do demo more than a month unless you're <laughs> testing a strategy somewhere. But um, get into the live market, whether it's a $500,000 account. If you think that's not enough, to practice the discipline. I promise you it's a completely different game in the market. <laughs> Once you're mm -hmm. trading with that that harder money of yours, so uh, make sure that you're 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 starting with that small account. Don't focus on the money right now. Focus mm -hmm. on the skill. Focus on picking the right picks. Exactly. What I was telling my buddy this weekend. Don't focus on trying to make a bunch of money in the in uh you know on these games this weekend. Just focus on the skill and building up your confidence mm -hmm. right now, so that yeah. eventually in a couple of weeks or next football season you're going to be a lot more confident with some of these picks because you're looking up the statistics and stuff like that. But yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a, a good journey for any beginner traders to start out with five or a thousand and, and work from there. Because yep. it's a lot easier to look at, you know, the five dollar loss or ten dollar loss. But as you grow your account, looking at like, you know, equity percentages and all of that, maybe you're not losing as much, but those digits do increase. Mm -hmm. And that is going to scare you. So if you're not even used to the skill set itself and all you do is focus on the monetary aspect, you're not going to make it big, <laughs> you yeah. know, no matter what your goals are and all that. So you have to focus on, like you said, the skill set. So don't focus on the money aspect, you know, coming back to like what you were talking about, you guys were talking about football earlier where it's like 95 degrees outside and you're all padded up and you're like, I'm not even getting paid. Like, why am I doing this? Right. It's for that exact reason where you can't focus on the monetary aspect. You have to focus on the skill set. If you mm -hmm. actually love investing, if you actually love trading, if you actually, you know, want to be, you know, financially free or you know time freedom and all that stuff you can't focus on the monetary aspect all of that will follow it's the same thing if you had a business mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. it is a business right and that's a, for some reason i don't know what the difference is most people don't think it is i don't understand it but 
it's a business, you know, and that's Definitely. where I think a lot of times too, the, the dream of, of what's sold is, is passive income, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who, who set that rumor, but this to me is not passive. Not, there's not one bit of this skill set about this business that is passive, mm-hmm. you know? So this is not something where it's like, you get it done, you make a bunch of money, you never work a day in your life again. I work harder now than I worked when I was working for somebody else. Now that I work for myself, you know, so that's that's one thing is if you're scared of the work, it doesn't matter what you're going to try to do. This definitely isn't for you yeah. because this isn't something that is does not take a lot of work. Like, I, I mean, this takes to me, this was this has been harder than football. You know, mentally, it's been harder than, you know, long term, it's been harder than business. I think this is one of the hardest things you can do, but it's also one of the most rewarding and it's also one of the easiest. So it's just yeah. it's such Simple. a mindset. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, it's such a, such a mind game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll let you guys in on is I was running, I run a prop firm this year, you know, one of the funding programs online, I was white labeling another nice. company and, uh, the, the statistics are true of the 90, 90, 90 stuff, you know, that the 90% of traders lose 90% of their accounts for the 90 days of opening all that kind of stuff is true. And one of the biggest things that I saw from looking at through a lot of accounts was a similar problem to not understanding probabilistic thinking. Right. And once again, if you think about this concept of if we're talking about stats, right, it's all odds, it's all probabilities. And I go on a five to 10 trade winning streak, whatever it is. I don't know what sample size a lot to you guys, but let's say five to 10 trades, whatever, right? Most people see what? The account begins to grow, right? So as the account grows, what do they do to the position size? The position size begins to grow. When in reality, if you've just won 10 trades in a row and you increase your position size on that 11th trade, from a statistics standpoint, you are getting closer to taking losses, Right. Because the odds are wearing out now. And so people are increasing their position size into a higher probability of taking losses than wins. And so then they'll take that first loss, which then wipes away three to four of their winning trades, right? Then they got to still a little bit of profits. They're going to try to make back the other profits. So they keep the bigger position size again. And they either win one, lose two, whatever. And it's just like the, the progress they made of 80% of their trading journey gets depleted with 20% of increasing position size or 20% of over leveraging or 20% of doing things that were outside of what you should have done on your rules. Right. And that's where, you know, I think it comes down to having correct expectations, number one, but then also, I think it also comes down to how much preparation do you put in before your live trading. Right. And most of my people that come into my program, I mean, you'll go almost depending on your work ethic, potentially four months from start to finish without even taking one single trade. Because it, to me, it takes that long to get your mind right, to read price action, to read structure, to read trend all from a systematic approach, then go in and get your pattern recognition done or whatever pattern you're going to try to trade. From there, you go into system development, entries, exit management, right? Then you go through some practice testing to see how that feels. And then you go through, you know, X amount of what I call live testing, not live trading, but live back testing where you're gathering statistical data to crunch an edge off of, right? Then comes the number crunching process where you develop your positive expectancy, position sizing, what your return should have been, your max drawdown, equity curve. Then comes the trading plan development. Then comes the demo trading. Then comes the live trading with small account. Then comes the live trading of the real account, right? And most people, if you're looking for the, the quick option to, man, my fucking job sucks, excuse my language. I want to find something to get me out of work in the nine to five. And you tell somebody it's going to take you four to six months to do it. Ah, that's not worth my time. Ah, that's not worth my time. Right. And so the people that I've been really transparent with up front about, hey, man, this isn't going to be your quick fix out of your nine to five job. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you give me a year, I can change your life forever and make you self-sufficient where the only thing you have to do is gain capital to dictate your percentage based returns. I mean, from a competitive and a business standpoint, 
I don't want to be in any other position than that. If, I, if the only position I'm in is where the more money I make is the more money I have to manage and the more money I have to play with, that's any business. Any business is going to take capital scale. And that's the biggest thing that I realized was just setting the correct expectations with people coming in. That way they weren't expecting something within a month and they weren't disappointed, exactly. right? They thought, hey, exactly. this is the correct steps of my journey where it should be. And that's where the community aspect, and you guys do a really good job of just keeping that environment healthy is probably one of the biggest things of keeping the journey going back to what you said about it all being very individual, right? Most people I don't believe are the introvert type like I am, where if I am by myself, I can keep myself accountable. I like looking in the mirror at myself only. I like only seeing myself three, four days a week, unless I see my wife, you know, for dinner and stuff like that. Most people aren't like that. So most people do need, whether it's a coach, whether it's a community, some type of accountability involved, because this is a very singular journey that to me, you pay what's the word I'm trying to say? You basically pay the cost up front to what you want to have for a lifetime, yeah, right? Because during that four to six months, you don't see any fruits of your labor. You, you yeah. should now, I'm not saying you're not trading on the side, whatever, but if you're just building out a system within four to six months, you're going to make zero progress financially. Yeah. However, if you can take that six months, then after six months is done, you paid your cost. You have what you've built forever. Right. And if that is something that is exciting to people, then hey, let's talk. Let's get on another application call. Right. But if it's not, okay, we just don't meet eye to eye on what either success is or what my views are for you in the program. And that's where you just kind of kind of separate. And that's where, from a business standpoint, for anybody that wants to start a trading business, the biggest thing that I have found in relationships, setting the correct expectations up front, setting the correct mindset up front. And if you guys align with that, then boom, you could potentially blossom into a great relationship, you know, that is going to be beneficial to them long-term, which then makes you feel good about what you do because it is so one-on-one -on -one and singular with your success anyway. To, to piggyback off that real quick, I know you got to go, but um, that's why we did a, we, Sharma, we did an episode like basically just for mentors, right? Like, like from the mindset of a mentor. And if you want to go back and watch that, I think you would, would love, love to watch like that's why what you just said, why it's so important to vet people out and make sure that you're accepting the right people and not just like, I, I don't want everyone's money. I want the right people in the group so that we could grow together. Because what does that do to me? If, if I'm going to be selfish real quick, what does that do? I'm trying to help you as much as I possibly can. And you're just not having the right mindset. You're not getting anywhere. That's going to hurt me because I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, help you. I'm trying to build your career. I'm trying to build who you are and build you into the person I believe you can, can be. And if yeah. you're really not aligning with that value or those values as a whole, then like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose confidence. I'm going to, and they paid you for it and they paid you for it. So where's on your heart, right? Yeah, yeah, agree. yeah. And it hurts. It's like, damn, like, <laughs> you know, that's why, like, I, I did it from the very beginning. I asked Raquel, I think you may know Raquel. Yeah. Um, I was like, dude, what would you do differently if you were to start this thing over? He was mm -hmm. like, dude, vet, vet people in and out. You know, he's got a ton of people in his mentorship, but like he was, he was vetting people and you have to do that. You have, if you're a mentor, make sure you have the right people in your group. And this goes for anybody out there that are traders, like make sure you got the right mindset coming into these things or you're just wasting your money. Yeah, I actually learned that very early on before I even started like the mentorship. I just had my Instagram page and I used to get onto uh, Paul's Asian session and then I used to get messages on Instagram. Like and we would be like, yeah, they'll be sending their charts and everything like that. But I you, I had a couple of people in the beginning, you know, talk nice and everything. Hi, Sharma. How's everything going and all of that? And then after like probably three, the third or fourth message, they're like, yo, send me this chart. And I'm like, <laughs> 
yeah. for what right yeah. and they're like send me a chart about odd usd or something like that i was like yeah go ahead and send your chart and I'm like you know i can help you out and they're right. like no just tell me like what do you think about it mm-hmm. so that kind of like you know when i started the actual group i was like i don't ever want people who will just message saying like send me the chart because that's not what i want to build out right it's not a signals group or anything like we want to help people Right. Yeah. And I think that's what all of our goal here is as well. And, you know, everybody else that we brought on uh, onto the other episodes is to help people out instead of like creating just, you know, that group actually help you build out a system. So then it helps you not just in trading, but it's the same exact approach that you could take, whether you want to go start something else. Yeah. Right. And, and I thought that was very important. I think I it's been say, like too. last. I think I've been in the industry, you know, c- consuming from a social media standpoint, probably for five to six years, you know, I bet Q banks is probably the first person in the industry to build out kind of a big profile, uh, you know, online. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think within the last two years that I think that more people are preaching the right message. And I think that yeah. the industry is beginning to kind of calm down towards the hype and the nonsense and everything else. And I think now it's starting to come down to where the people that were still preaching it three, five years ago, if you're still there, you know, if you're still at, at, at the peak, then you're kind of the ones that are preaching the message starting to follow in and i think that slowly but surely the industry is kind of starting to tighten down a little bit more i think the expectations are getting honed in you know and things like that and i think that it's just it's still growing you know and i think it's our job as uh people that want to be coaches mentors whatever to making sure the seeds were growing the seeds were planting you know are things that are going to be fruitful long term because that's what's going to allow this industry to continue to grow what's going to allow us to continue to grow as business people you know and i'm passionate about i know you guys are too so i think that you guys do a great job of getting people together because this is part of it especially for me being an introvert it's part of getting out of the comfort zone and talking to people like you guys so you haven't seen like one (laughs) my wife crazy man it's crazy it's the (laughs) chicago with me i just get to talk and i talk fast other than that i'm at the house I feel you. And it goes right back to like the, that environment that you want to create. You can relate with this. You want to create a good locker room. You don't want any cancers in there, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, anyone chirping and, you know, ruining other people's progress, stuff like that, like that, that just ruins everything. But Matter. that's what you were saying too. The industry kind of vetted those men- mentors out, right? Those people that were just looking for money vetted those people out. And now all the real ones are really coming to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those, you know, those mentors back, what, 2016, 2017, this, this whole industry was like popping off. Everyone was a mentor. So, um, you know, a lot of those people got vetted out and, and um, for the good, to be honest. The market doesn't work for you, right? Yeah. Even even the Forex yeah. industry, people did the work, you know, that we didn't yeah. have to do. Amen. 100%. 100%. But thank you so much for hopping on, Drew. I know you got to go. <laughs> but thank you so much. I There's like so much information in this one video um usually like we try to keep at like 20 30 minutes but i'm just gonna you know i think there's like an hour long i'm just gonna put that up right there's so much information here so thank you so much for hopping on it was great to finally see you absolutely thank you guys appreciate it yeah thank you guys for having me we'll be in touch again i'd love to do this again with you guys sometime so thanks for having yeah 100 thank you take care see you guys